You're listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. Good morning. Good morning, Ethan. How you doing? I'm fine. <laughs> it sounds real fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine. I'm I know good. it's a leading question. No, but that's no. Oh? I mean, it, I suppose it is. It's... See, you don't have what to talk else about are you it's supposed okay. to ask people? That's it. You know, when you're trying to be polite and yeah. courteous and you want to perhaps acknowledge someone's presence, what else are you supposed to say? What is that one thing that it was like, I was like, oh, that's a different approach and I tried it and it didn't work. Do you remember this? I do remember the concept, but I remember the concept, not like the how words. are you feeling instead of how are you doing or something like that. There was it was like a very tiny twist. It was yeah. not very significant and it immediately failed. I can vouch for it not working. <laughs> Just do what works for you. If you have a better example, please write in because we can use some thoughts. We need some other questions and things because... I don't have an alternative. You say what's good. I do say what's good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do ask that question. Does that go well most of the time? I feel like more often than not, you are the only person off the top of my head that really takes it seriously for what it is. Like most people, when I say what's good, just hear, like, how are you doing? Interesting. And they respond in kind. Interesting. They're like, oh, fine. It's all good. You know, whatever. I do take that literally. Yeah, no. I, I appreciate that. Cool. That's I'll, great. I'll, I'll struggle along. What is good today for you? Oh, oh my. <laughs> Tylenol. <laughs> what? <laughs> Are you high on Tylenol No, right certainly now? not. That is, it's keeping me together, though. I had a weird Tuesday. Man, I had such high hopes for Tuesday. Yeah. I really did. I had plans. Tuesday's your day off. Yeah, I'm like, I'm going to relax. I'm going to go see a movie. It's going to be great. And then not a single one of those things came to pass. Really? Not a single one. Had to go to Walmart for the first time in a while. It's probably been, in the past five years, I've maybe been there three times. Had to go pick up some lawn stuff. Oh. And and then had to, like, mow in a rush. Because I'm like, it is going to rain. And it's like right at the cusp. I've got to get that grass mode before it becomes an issue. So I sped mode, speed mow. You know what I'm trying to say? I know what you're saying. You Which were is, mowing quickly. It was. Look, I have nothing to complain about. It's absurd that I'm still finding a way. <laughs> <laughs> I have a flat yard. But let me tell you this. When you try to push mow with a non-special <sighs> mower. Yeah, the one no that self-propelled, crapped, just, like, just destroyed my hand. It's that yeah, one. Yeah, you just, just um, mow it. Yeah. And it's like half an acre. No small amount. You, you don't think, you think you look at it and you're like, Psh, what a perfect mowing experience. Then you do it. And I'm like, <laughs> I am like dripping with sweat. My Ooh. clothing is a different color. Because of sweat. You know what I'm saying? It's rough. And I, my body's broken. My it shouldn't body be, but is it broken. Is. Um, King Theoden. And I'm like, okay, finally. But I also, I have all this brush in my backyard. All of this, these sticks, many. It is literally, it is like the size of two beaver dams. <laughs> this pile of sticks. That is not an exaggeration either. And beavers are going, um, oi, look at that beautiful like, amount of sticks. <laughs> it's a beaver mansion. Um... <laughs> That are falling from the trees uh, at the property line. And I, I was like, oh, I'm going to relax and throw it in a burn barrel. But it's going to be a nice, relaxing evening. Guess what? It's not. <laughs> Either one of those things. I couldn't stop. It was like constant for, for literally for four hours. I'm like bending over, picking up sticks and carrying them to the burn barrel. For four. Oh, my word. <laughs> I awoke the next morning. My legs could barely move. Oh. And I still, I'm still remarkably sore. I mean, that's a lot of the yard day work. never ended. I recently hired someone in my neighborhood to mow my lawn. Oh. (laughs) 
That sounds like a good thing. <laughs> a teenager, you know. So yeah. He's like, I'm going to make a few extra bucks. I'm like, well, I hate mowing my lawn. Yeah. So there you go. Wow. You can mow it. That's amazing. That really was kind of disconnected from your story. I was, no, I overrode so. your suffering and said, wow, look at me. I'm not going to be mowing anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would uh, I would absolutely do that in your shoes. And it can't be too expensive. You're not asking them to mow no, a field. No, no. We had a company, a landscaping company, come mow it somewhere. We were remodeling the house last year just because I couldn't get the mower over. And yeah. We had other things. I'm like, no, nah, I'm not doing that. It's more of a pain than you realize. It is. And they charge like 50 bucks Ooh. to mow the lawn. And uh, I'm not paying anywhere near that. No, you is, wouldn't so. want to, especially with that regularity. No, no. Gee. So yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's all good. Huh. So yeah, yard work. I will take that truly, though. Honestly, I mean, obviously, I don't have the same experience you do, but I will take that over shoveling snow and mm, no, and all I, that. I, I can't. I, I, I recently, for the first time in my life, in this new property, I have to I have to shovel, but it's only like the walk. I would rather do that. Yeah, I not so worried about the driveway or anything. You just kind of oh, let that be because I mean, it's a gravel driveway. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like what I might do is literally just back my vehicle out of the garage all the way to the road and back, so people like. A delivery man knows where the you know where yeah. it is, but um, that I think that would be quite impossible. Hip hip hooray! Indeed, that's good. You know what else is good? None but the Lord. <laughs> Did I get that question right? Did I get the gold star? <laughs> Some Palestinian scribe two thousand years ago just like <laughs> shuddered. Uh, they were like, oh, "Someone has has spoken truly." <laughs> I was gonna say yeah. a good question. That's what I was going to say. Oh, what else a good is good? A good question. Good. Yeah, a good question is good. And occasionally, I know that transition actually made no sense, but a good question is good. And a good question to ask yourself every once in a while when it comes to our faith oh, yeah. and our Lord uh-huh. is what are the essential beliefs that make Christianity Christianity? Yeah, okay. You know what I mean? That's probably, it's probably more right than I realize. Well, because it's interesting that like, if you just stop and think, what is it that makes Christianity distinct from other religions, mm. right? Because you could draw because, some points of connection. Yeah, you can. In fact, C.S. Lewis would say that that is a point in Christianity's favor. <laughs> However, if you just like it from the outside, post-modernity, etc., blah, 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 you know, you get the whole like, oh, all religions are the same and they all teach the same thing basically and all that. It's like, but actually does Christianity do that? Mm. Is there anything that makes Christianity distinctly Christianity? Oh, they're going to say distinctly distinct yes. there for a minute. Are you right? Don't don't we like that? Don't we love that? Well, yeah. So here's the thing. We can't we can't fully and thoroughly answer that kind of a question in a brief podcast episode. But <laughs> I'm taking it back. <laughs> but for our consideration, just for fun, mm-hmm. you know, just a little fun discussion on your morning commute or when you're working out or whatever you're doing when you're listening to this. Here are at least three truths that make Christianity distinct and that we have to believe if we're going to be Christian. Okay, okay. You know? Good markers. Yes, good markers. So the first is the Trinity. Mm. I doubt anybody's surprised by that. <laughs> no. Because the Trinity is definitively not, as I have heard it called, the weird uncle of Christianity. <laughs> I have heard it called that. That's so weird. There are definitely a lot of other things. I think even like cultural things, like the way we engage with it now when we look back and compare, because that's healthy. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of other things that might fit the bill. But I never would have expected that of the Trinity. Yeah. That said, right, the deeper you go, the more knots you have to untie. But I feel like that's way down the line. Yes. I think speaking for myself, I could probably go my entire life without really needing to hammer out some of those high-level debates. Yeah. And I think we've had the benefit of we grew up in the faith. You that, know? Yeah, so that's like, true, too. That yeah. was just part and parcel of what we did. But yeah, yeah, there are definitely people who get weirded out by it. And to your point, I think the ironic thing about that is really that the Trinity is 
more or less the beating heart of Christianity. Mm. I would even go so far as to say it's the beating heart of the whole created order. And your weird uncle, in spite of any delusions he may have to the contrary, is none of those (laughs) things, right? He's not. That's not your weird uncle. You know, you may have a weird uncle who thinks he's the center of the universe, (laughs) but the Trinity actually is. So uh, what what is so uncle-y about this to people? I think it's just what we say about the Trinity. So like when we... As Christians say we believe in the Trinity, what we're saying, in in short, is that we believe in one God who eternally exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And finite human minds can't fully comprehend that. Like, we can't Mm -hmm. fully wrap our minds around how can something be one yet three. And, you know, theologians have hammered out all kinds of language around that, like, one God who eternally exists in three persons. Like, that took a long time to hammer out that language, and we just take it for granted. But that's, I think, more or less (laughs) part of, like, just what makes it so weird for people. That is probably fair. And I think what you said is we've both grown up with it. It's way less weird. Like, yeah, there are specific things. I think very specific things that do not phase me in the slightest. And yep. they are crippling to other people. And I'm like, yep. oh, yeah, that's just the thing. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, of course, this is the case. Like, it's like, come uh, on. It's like uh, the problem of evil or good things to bad people. I'm like, <laughs> yep. are you blind? <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? But, uh, but I, I think you're absolutely right. We, we super take some of these things for granted. Yeah. And especially when you think about the fact that the Bible just teaches us that the Trinity is true and it doesn't teach us how it's true. Uh-huh, so, okay. you know what I mean? Like that yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. we're really obsessed with we want to know how things work. <laughs> and there, there is so much outside of the Trinity that God doesn't say, here's how this yes, is true. Yes, so true. And even in the natural order, the created order, science, like the, the scientific method can't fully explain how everything works the way it works. Sure. You know what I mean? So all that suffice to say is that if someone claims to be a Christian and yet they don't believe in the Trinity, really, I mean, can't really call yourself a Christian at that point. Right, right, right. <laughs> For colorful reference, nearly every episode of our Christian and cult content Oh, yes. Done, <laughs> that's, that's so like true. at the top all every of them. single one. They're yes. like, no thanks, Trinity. Yes, like get I rid of we Trinity. Have a, we have a problem. Yes, you are getting into bad territory when you do that. If the Trinity doesn't exist, the whole fabric of Christianity is as non-existent as as the emperor's new clothes, because <sighs> if the Trinity doesn't exist, the thing about Christ then is that you don't have a father who yeah. can send his son to die for our sins, nor is there a spirit who can guide us into all truth. So what you actually have, if you don't have a Trinity, is one pathetic, tyrannical, lonely God who had to create the world in order to stop feeling lonely. And not only that, but any time in scripture, for example, Jesus's baptism, when you have the spirit descending on him like a dove and the yeah. father speaking from heaven, what is that? That's an illusion or something. Like, it's not real. Like, yeah. it's something, it's just made up. It's not happening. And those are all utterly meaningless if there's no Trinity. So, if you're going to be a Christian, it's essential to believe in the Trinity. And because no other religion has the Trinity or anything even remotely like it, it's one of the credible distinctives of mm. our faith. It is something that can almost become so commonplace, I think, to us, that it's almost novel to realize how interlaced it is within our faith. Yes. You kind of like gloss over that or you forget the details of like, oh, that's important because of all of these stories that you know without thinking. Yes. It's in all of them. Mm-hmm. That's why. Yes, yes. And many theologians will talk about the fact that like when any person of the Trinity is working, all the two other members of the Trinity are at work as well. Like, mm. they call that the principle of inseparable operations. But, you know, another podcast for another time. <laughs> I don't know time to get into all that. But, yeah, I mean, it really is, you just can't get away yeah. from the Trinity if you're a Christian. And technically, even if you're not a Christian, you can't. He's, <laughs> he's still there. But I digress. So that's the first thing. And then the second would take us to Christ, yeah. which would be the incarnation of the Son, God okay. the Son. So we don't just believe that this one triune God exists in some sort of transcendence that's impossibly 
beyond us. Because I think if you take the bare trinity and you stop there, you do get this sense of kind of like helplessness. Like, oh, like, well, that's just impossibly beyond Some us. We can't ever... tribunal deity. Yeah, like the way he's spoken about in theological texts and in a sense, even in the scripture and passages like First Timothy 6, it's like, oh, he is so transcendent. It's like he's not a part of the created order. Like he contains all of creation, like within himself. So it's like, you just, how can you even Mm. ever begin to hope to relate to him? Like, how can he be a quote unquote personal God if that's actually true? And that's where the incarnation really begins to make more sense of this because we don't believe that God is impossibly transcendent Mm -hmm. because in what one very intelligent man called the miracle of the universe, which I think is aptly put, God, the son, the second person of the Trinity became flesh in order to save us from sin, Satan, death, hell, and wrath. And the reason we would call this the miracle of the universe is because on the face of it, this should be impossible, right? Like if you just considered it on the bare face of it, a God who cannot change, as the Bible says, shouldn't be able to become a man, right? But that is precisely what the Son of God did, and he did so somehow without suffering any change in his divine nature at all. So, like, Mm -hmm. that's when we talk about the miracle, like, that's what we're talking about. Like, oh, this unchanging God became flesh in the second person of the Trinity and yet did it without changing in his (laughs) divine nature at all. Like, that's crazy. Yeah, I think this, uh, when you lay it out in those specifics, is something I could very easily understand being a hurdle for someone. Yeah. Just imagining explaining that to someone. Yes. If you're approaching that without a background, I sound like... Uh, a loon. (laughs) It's like, it's one thing to accept inhabiting human form, but to do so completely without forfeiting divine nature, Mm -hmm. it's a larger logic pill to swallow. Yeah. And you think about the fact that the incarnation has been a stumbling block for so many people. Like, that's what Paul says, like, it's folly to the Greeks and it's weakness to the Jews is what he Mm. said. Like, I mean, they wanted to several times stone Jesus to death for saying things like before Abraham was, I am like, they're like, oh no, that's, that's, that can't be true. Like that's, (laughs) you, you just need to die. And usually when we refer to this act of God, the son taking on flesh, becoming man, we call it the incarnation. And yes, we do tend to use that word a lot and throw it around a lot without explaining what it means, right? Okay. Just, oh yeah, we're just incarnation. You right. Know? Just, we don't know what that means, right? For sure. So forgive us, please. Incarnation, just by the by, is a Latin word and it refers to the embodiment of a deity or spirit. Okay. And some of us pastor types love Latin words for some reasons <laughs> that largely remain unknown, oh. probably because they're not good reasons and we just you know, oh. brush over them. I don't know. I don't know. So I needed to go down that rabbit hole. But the incarnation is also another fact that the Bible simply tells us is true, again, without explaining mm-hmm. how it is true. This is not a helpful thing to say. I know it isn't, right? <laughs> and a lot of guys have done admirable work in trying to explain how it could be true. But <laughs> wow. that gets into some really crazy metaphysics. And, Spiritual theoreticists. Yes, and things like the doctrine of mixed relations. Again, more things that we just, you know, Jeez. maybe do another another podcast episode on those because they're, they're, I mean, I think they're fun discussions, but, you know, <laughs> okay, so much, only so much time. So yeah, so we don't get to look at the detailed blueprints of the incarnation. And here's the other thing about all that stuff. Even if we did, mm. even if God was like, all right, let me try to explain to you how all this works. We probably don't stand a chance of understanding that any more than like an earthworm could understand advanced calculus, right? I mean, it's like, oh, yeah, you're just your mind literally doesn't have the capability and the capacity of understanding Mm. some of these things. And then you get the most well-known passage on the incarnation, biblically speaking, is probably John 1, 1 through 18, where he says the word was with God. The word was God. Right. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. I mean, you get right there in that compact 
set of verses a precise and beautiful teaching on the incarnation without getting too far down any rabbit holes. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, I mean, and he was an inspired author of scripture. So of course you would expect <laughs> nothing less probably, but yeah. So uh, all that being said, if you want to be a Christian, it's a required item that you believe in Christ. And as we pointed out earlier, it is in our name after all, right? Mm. We're Christians, Christ, Christians. See, that's, it doesn't have quite the, but I know what you're saying. Yeah. It's very hard to speak in italics. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. So the third thing would be the physical death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Oh, this that would be the third thing. A lot of the there. first century heresy comes yes, out of this. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I cannot ever. Yes, so many. Almost all of them, yeah. really, all came up around this. Because, you know, I mean, you start asking yourself questions like, why did the son go through all the trouble of growing in his mother's womb? Sure. Why did he subject himself to the rather gross experience of being of time, born? A lot of time invested. Yeah. And did he just do that because he wanted to, you know, eat a breakfast of filet of fish Is oh. that what he wanted to do? And you he know? had the filet of fish recently? No. Oh, yeah. heavens. Ooh. That would have me praying let this come <laughs> Please let it pass. <laughs> Oh, the suffering of humanity is too great. <laughs> oh, well, obviously, those are hardly the reasons why. You yeah, know, right. You just want to do that. The chief reason the incarnation happened was so that, believe it or not, Jesus could die. Mm -hmm. I would say that was the chief reason. I think there were, again, a lot of reasons that the yeah, Son became incarnate. A lot of nuanced things. Yes, a lot. You know, and you could talk about, well, I'm not going to. St. Athanasius wrote a great short book called On the Incarnation. Yeah. And you can get a modern translation of it, and it's great. Read that. He talks about a lot of things that most people don't consider. Anyway, Jesus takes on human flesh. The Word becomes flesh so that he can die. And not just any ordinary death, right? Because Jesus didn't go out quietly in some Nazarene nursing home or, you know, gumming Twinkies or humming hymns or anything like that, right? That's, no. Like, that's just, what a that's not, I know. No. He died one of the most atrocious, humiliating, mm. and excruciating deaths that wicked men ever devised. And yeah. actually, in fact, the word excruciating comes from the method of death that he endured, which was crucifixion. I didn't right? know that, actually. Excruciating is like from crucifixion. Like I can see it in the word. Yeah, that's exactly. It's, I genuinely have never heard that. Yeah, that's see, wild. Look at that. Isn't that wild? Yeah, so I mean, he dies on a cross by crucifixion, but even more than that, when he's dying, he's doing it as the sin bearer, as our substitute, the mm. one who is dying in our place, bearing the penalty that we deserve, and then giving us his righteousness in return. So he has to have a body in order to do that, right? Like he can't die <laughs> unless he has a body with which to die. Right. But thanks be to God, of course, that wasn't the end of his life because he also rose from the grave. Now death no longer has dominion over him. Easter Sunday. Hooray! <laughs> I should sound more enthusiastic than that. It's like the greatest event in all of human history. But the thing about that is that then the same resurrection that he experienced He's promised to all who believe in him. So when the word became flesh and then Jesus ascended back into heaven at the right hand of the Father, he took humanity with him, so to speak. Mm. And that means also that because he was able to take that human flesh into the presence of God directly, one day we'll get to do it too. Mm. So like the incarnation gets tied up with a lot of that kind of stuff. Yeah. And in the words of the Apostle Paul, we have to believe in a literal physical death and resurrection because if Jesus didn't really die and he wasn't really raised in newness of life, then our faith is worthless and we're all doomed. Mm. Hooray. <laughs> Ooh, most to be pitied. <laughs> 
That's right. Yeah, we were just talking Look about at us. our baptism of the dead episode. That's right. Yes. Baptism for the dead. Yeah. Mm. None of this is true because that is a surprisingly popular belief even today. Mm. Like you talk about the first century heresies. Yeah. You know, you had basically you divide heresies into one or two camps. Either you thought that Jesus was merely human mm. and there were some like, oh, he maybe had some special relationship to God. Right. Or you think, oh, he was really like, this is God and it was just the illusion right. of human flesh. And there were lots of nuances around that. Yeah. You know, the difference between like a docetist and a Polinarian versus an Arian versus a, you know. Many flavors. Yes. But they basically break down into those two camps. Okay. And to this day, you still get people saying things like, well, no one actually believed that Jesus physically rose from the dead. It's just that the idea of him survived, you know, like his, his spirit, his little S spirit, the spirit of Christ survived in his disciples. And it's like, I mean, most honest, like historians, even of like the secular variety are like, that makes no sense of the historical Mm. data, like based on like what his followers did. Like that just doesn't make any sense. Like Grant, let's say they had some sort of weird spiritual experience. They had some experience that turned them around from being, oh, we're scared to death of the Romans and the Jews and we'll abandon Jesus in a moment of great peril to ourselves to all of them except for one died horrific deaths believing that Jesus rose from the dead. That all aside, again, if we take that tack that, oh, it was just the idea of Jesus that survived, you know, it was just the spirit of Christ lived on. It's like, dude, don't even bother with that. Like, yeah, yeah, that's so weak. Like, why would you... It's clearly not what it's even saying. Yeah, and it's not. So if you're not going to do that, like, again, it's like, just one, again, you're you're not really Christian. And two, it's like, don't, I just don't bother. Like, eat, drink, and be merry. If you're going to do that, go just have a good time. (laughs) You know, don't don't subject yourself to any hardship for that. (laughs) Anyway, so there you have it. Those are at least three essential truths and distinctives that make Christianity Christianity and therefore those are three things you really kind of have to know and affirm and uh, believe if you want to be a Christian. So, uh, oh, and isn't that nice and Trinitarian? Yeah. You like that? Little three things there. And and on the outline of the script, we had three paragraphs for each one. So, real Trinitarian. Whoa, that's interesting. Probably couldn't count that as an argument in favor of the Trinity as a proof, (laughs) but you know. Fair. Got to count for something, right? Fair. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there we have it. Well, hey, thanks as always for listening. Uh, we hope you found this uh, helpful, invigorating, encouraging, etc. And if you have any questions on this or any other topic, feel free to email us at podcast at horizonschurch.net or interact with us on social media. Thank you as always for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Mm-hmm.